is an Odyssey original. This is the War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Russia's making gains in eastern Ukraine, but at what cost? And WNBA star Brittany Griner is now asking President Biden directly to help get her out of Russia, where she's been detained since February. We start with Russia declaring victory in one part of Ukraine. It says they now have full control over one of the two provinces in the Donbass region in the eastern part of Ukraine. It wasn't without tough losses, though. The question is now, can Russia put together a strong enough offensive to make more gains. Journalist Phil Idner is in Ukraine. Rob Archer and I talked to him and asked who's going to wear down who first, because this war could last for weeks, months, years. Yeah, I mean, potentially it could. Uh, but I don't think it's going quite the way the Russians had anticipated. We clearly see that they've, they've adjusted their battle plan from uh, you know taking much more territory, now back to falling back on taking just the Donbass and the land bridge that will connect them to uh, uh, Crimea and their naval bases there. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it certainly does look as though um, uh, they're making uh, progress, the Russians are, on the other side of the river. Uh, but the Ukrainians are saying that these are planned uh, retreats, that they are slowing the enemy as much as they possibly can, and making them pay for every kilometer, every mile that they take. You know, it's kind of interesting because a lot of uh, experts are saying that uh, Russia is uh, militarily is depleted right now. So if they get control of these regions, they've got to maintain that control, and that takes resources that they are, you know, really struggling to to contain. In the meantime, Ukraine's getting a lot of help from uh, the world outside. It's getting more weapons and uh, systems sent to it. It's getting money, getting infusions of cash and uh, supplies and things like that, whereas Russia really is not. Uh, so is it possible that Russia takes control of this region, does everything it can to hold on to it, and then sues for peace? And if they do that, I don't think Ukraine is going to agree. So then where do we go from there? I, I think that's a fair estimation of, of, of one scenario, a very probable scenario that's been laid out. Um, and I, I agree with you. I don't know if the Ukrainians will allow the Russians to simply sue for peace because Taking the territory is one thing. Holding on to it is a complete other. And uh, we're not hearing a lot of news coming out of Russian-occupied Ukraine. But what we do hear is that uh, is that the Ukrainians maintain civil disobedience. They uh, they're they're making sure that security forces are needed uh, to occupy those those places. Not you know they can't just take it and then continue on to the next uh, the next objective because there are disruptive uh, forces uh, within Ukraine itself. It's not going to simply lie down and allow itself to be occupied. So, um, you know, they're going to have to exert money. They're going to have to exert uh, uh, capability, military capability to maintain that territory. And as you say, all the while that Russia is expending its uh, military capabilities, whether that's you know in in occupying territories or whether or not that's on the front lines, uh, they're de- you know, they're being depleted uh, all the while that Ukraine is being resupplied from the West. Where are we with with manpower though? Is that still very hard to determine on on yeah. both sides? I mean, Ukraine claims high casualties for Russia. There probably have been very high casualties, but are we clear on on Ukraine's losses even? 
Um, you know, every every side of uh, of a war is going to try and control that kind of information as best as possible. But you know, clearly, Ukraine is taking a major toll. Uh, they are losing soldiers, uh, admittedly, even from the president's office. That you know, the, the, they float around the two hundred uh, men a day taken off the line, and you know, Russia potentially has about three times the population. Uh, that they can draw upon if they were to call up a, a mass mobilization than Ukraine does. But the difference is, in a lot of ways, the fact that the the Ukrainians maintain a very high morale. They, they maintain uh, uh, a lot of well-trained uh, uh, soldiers that, that are using this technology as best as they possibly can, these new weapons that they're getting. And the, the Russians, uh, we are also aware on their side of the equation, are having morale problems. They're having uh, problems in terms of, of getting soldiers. Um, and they, they still are uh, trying to keep the cost in terms of, of, of human casualties away from the major population centers. So St. Petersburg or Moscow, in a way, to try and keep the average Russian away from the true costs of, of losing their population, um, either killed in action or wounded in action. So I, another circumstance where the, the Ukrainians have a capability they can draw upon, the Russians are only di- being diminished on. Journalist Phil Hidner from Kiev in Ukraine. Phil, thank you as always. WNBA star Brittany Griner remains in custody in Russia as her trial will continue later this week. She's accused of possessing cannabis oil that was found in her airport luggage back in February. She wrote a letter to the president, President Biden, asking him not to forget about her and the other overseas American detainees. Miatek Bodoshinsky is a professor of U.S. foreign policy at Pomona College and a former State Department diplomat in Albania and Kosovo. Rob and I asked him if Russia was holding on to Griner because of the U.S. stance on the war in Ukraine or if Russia is looking for a prisoner swap, concessions of some kind. I think a little bit of both. I think, you know, we're obviously relations are at, a, at probably lowest they've ever been since since the dark days of the Cold War. And so I think anything they can do that upsets us, um, you know, they see as a, as a gain. But yes, I think that, that they're also hoping um, for some sort of deal. And how would that work and what would it look like? I mean, who do we have to give up to get her back? And, and does it factor in that she's famous and there's all this attention and she's a big star there and a star here? Um, so you would have to up whatever you give in exchange? Yeah, let me answer the the second question first. I think that, you know, the the more the the Russians understand how important, you know, they they feel how important any potential any any particular hostage uh is to us, right? I'm using the word hostage uh, I think that's the word that the State Department has used. Um and and the more important they are to us, the the bigger concession or the bigger, you know, uh payment so to say, uh they think they can get. And so you know, I understand why um, Ms. Greiner's family is going to the media and, and her letter to President Biden, all that makes sense. It's a desperate situation. But but that also, in a way, you know, signaling to the Russians uh, that pressure on President Biden is signaling to the Russians that, that she's more important and therefore, you know, then the price uh, is going up, right? That's one view. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a person that's traded, right? It could also be some other thing. It could be concessions on sanctions. I doubt that President Biden is going to do that. But it could be, for instance, diplomatic property that the that the Obama administration confiscated here in the U.S. So it could be something 
um, something uh, that's not a person. And uh, I know that there's no way that we can know for sure, uh, because obviously she's not going to be allowed to uh, talk about it. But in your view and with the knowledge that you have, how do you think that the Russians are treating her as she's being detained? I mean, I don't know if I can answer a question about the particular conditions of, of, of detention. We've heard from some, you know, some other uh, uh, detainees about about that a bit. I think they have to be somewhat cautious, uh, you know, not to treat her too too badly, lest lest that that uh, you know um, leads us to 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 treat you know people that that their people that were were uh, were holding the same way, or or to or to you know retaliate in some other way. Um, but I can say that the Russian Federation is a country that where there is no rule of law, where there are, where there are, you know everything is up to the whims of of Putin and 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 his power structure and his secret police and so on. So I can I can say with with great certainty that that there's no way that she's going to get a, a fair trial. Well, I mean, yeah, look at the, the the charges at the outset, right? So they say we found cannabis oil, and uh, if they did or if they didn't, who knows? But instead of just saying, hey, we found this in there, and you're not supposed to have it, and here's whatever fine or penalty, they say, you're a drug smuggler now. Well, okay, no, you're not. <laughs> she's bringing some, sure. some hash oil in or right. out, and maybe she's not supposed to, but, uh, you know, this is how far they go in the charging scheme. Yeah, it's it's part of the Russian playbook and and has been for a very long time. And and of course, Russian citizens were the first, you know, various you know dissident journalists and and others who ran afoul of the Putin regime were the the first ones uh, to suffer from it. Miatek Bodashinsky, professor of U.S. foreign policy, Pomona College. The top U.S. diplomat has urged allies of Ukraine to help the country meet its immediate and urgent needs as scores of countries wrapped up a two-day conference aimed at helping Ukraine recover from the war when it eventually ends. U.S. Ambassador Scott Miller adding a dose of urgency to the recovery conference. Ukraine's prime minister a day earlier presenting a $750 billion plan to help his country both recover now where possible as well as in the immediate aftermath of the war and over the long term. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.